morning, and welcome to a、um, blizzardy day here in New York City. We're actually broadcasting live from Woodmere this morning.、Um, if you've looked outside,、uh, you can only guess how lucky the Super Bowl was to have been played last night. Uh, not this morning or、uh, in the middle of the night last night.、Uh, you are listening to Tech Talk on the Nachum Siegel Network. I am your host Arye Lightstone. You can listen to us on JM and the AM dot org or NachumSiegel dot com. As always, we are proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera, more than just a camera store. Please check them out online at Adorama dot com or visit them in person at forty two West Eighteenth Street. So today has been a、uh, a fairly exciting、uh, morning already. It's only 10 a.m.、Uh, New York City and New Jersey, I guess,、uh, accomplished I think a outstanding feat、uh, in so many different ways of hosting,、uh, I believe, a successful Super Bowl week and Super Bowl. As a、uh, very committed Bronco fan, I have to tell you that.、Uh, That I wound up fairly displeased with、uh, with the result, and I guess the process of getting to that result as well.、Uh, but、uh, ignoring the fact that I don't think the game was all that entertaining, and certainly didn't work out all that well. If you were a Bronco fan,、uh, the logistics, which was what I think had everybody up in arms or a buzz with、uh, with concern, wound up working out okay. And I think that's、uh, it's a beautiful thing when you're able to see、uh, such. Ridiculously large events happen and 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 be safe and and hopefully most people enjoyed themselves、uh, in a in a good and a appropriate way.、Uh, we can only hope the same thing that happens with the Olympics coming up in Russia.、Uh, certainly, with a focus first on safety and and the net results of how people do, I guess is、uh, is secondary. So anyway, so we're here talking about、uh, tech and entrepreneurism, and、uh, we were、uh, we were planning on having. Uh, some guests on this morning who are some young and budding entrepreneurs from Yeshiva University, and I am, and we are excited to speak to them and to learn more about what they've been able to do with the rigors of a dual curriculum and coming from backgrounds that don't necessarily、uh, yield the greatest、uh, training ground for entrepreneurialism. But、uh, due to the weather, we weren't able to gather together in studio, and I figured that this is a A show that we would much rather have with them in person. Lots of interaction.、Uh, there were four of them, and, and we thought that、uh, we're going to push them to next week or the week after. So we are looking forward to having them on and, and appreciate their patience with the、uh, the rescheduling.、Uh, I did want to share a couple of different thoughts before getting to the two primary topics that I wanted to speak about.、Um, the two primary topics that I wanted to speak about was sort of technology. And its involvement in major events, the Olympics, the Super Bowl, etc. And I think that、uh, the entrepreneurism, the opportunity to make、uh, money in, in different ways, and, and to explore and to make these events both safer and more accessible, is is really a fascinating thing. And we'll talk about that during the first half of the show. The second half of the show, I got back、uh, late, late Thursday night from a phenomenal two days in Orlando in the second biggest educational technology conference, I believe, in the world. And have some pretty exciting things、uh, to share in that regard as well.、Uh, and so, hopefully, we're going to spend the second hour, the second half of our hour,、uh, talking about that here on Tech Talk on the Nachum Siegel Network. Again, I am your host, Arye Lightstone,、uh, sharing some of my thoughts uh, about uh, technology and entrepreneurism, and、uh, hopefully, getting a chance to discuss them with you. Before doing that, I thought that we would try to have a segment of our show. 
uh, the beginning, the middle, the end. We'll find out where we can put it uh, in future shows, but sort of honors uh, heroes of Israel. Um, and especially, we spoke a couple weeks ago about, uh, about Bibi Netanyahu, the Prime Minister's uh, discussion at Davos in terms of being welcomed there as an economic savior or, or as the uh, paragon of creating success for your country where there aren't all that many natural resources and how exciting that was. Uh, this uh, week, I wanted to speak about somebody who I didn't think I was going to speak about in the context of being an Israeli hero, uh, which would be <laughs> interesting. Scarlett Johansson. Uh, if anybody saw the uh, ad, the commercial uh, for the Super Bowl for SodaStream, if people aren't familiar with SodaStream, I strongly recommend you familiarizing yourself with the company. And we're going to see if we can get on a rep to talk to us about it. It has very little to do with technology. It has a lot to do with entrepreneurism. And especially where it's located, I think, is in a very unique, uh, potentially even pivotal place. And uh, where SodaStream is, is if, if you haven't seen the product, that basically you make your own soda, uh, at home, it, it's a, it's a bubbler. Uh, it, uh, it makes, uh, the seltzer and then it sells flavors and you can have flavors of pretty much any type of, uh, uh, soda that you would purchase in the store and you do it at home so you don't need to have all the caring and you can make your own flavor a little bit more sweet, a little bit less sweet. There are lots of advantages to having it. I purchased it, um, last year during Sandy, um, mostly because I, I got my internet on and felt the desire to purchase something. That's what I want when I'm buying. I think probably courtesy of Dan's deals. And, uh, and I've really enjoyed it now for over a year. Um, but they chose to uh, have a spokesperson in a commercial during the Super Bowl, which is a pretty big deal. Uh, Scarlett Johansson, who I wasn't very familiar with before uh, this uh, much ado about uh, this commercial. And, uh, and the issue with SodaStream is that their main facility is in Malaya Dumim. So for those people who haven't been in Malaya Dumim, uh, it is on the other side of the green line. And they have a major factory that uh, that employs both Palestinians, if you will, and uh, and Israelis, Jewish citizens. Um, and they work together uh, for this company, which is an incredibly successful world exporter from Israel. And uh, it, it's a pretty exciting company. And and again, as I spoke about the product really quickly, it's a, it's a pretty cool product. I have one in my house, and and I would encourage many people to have one in theirs. When this lady Scarlett Johansson became the ambassador for SodaStream, uh, so she immediately became the target of the uh, BDS movement. How could it be that she would get involved in a company that has its primary location on the West Bank, in quotation marks, in the occupied territories, again, in quotation marks, how could that possibly be? And much to the credit of Scarlett Johansson, uh, it seems as though she researched, she came to the facts and made a decision on her own and uh, and continued uh, to back the company of SodaStream, continued to be their spokesperson, and actually gave up a couple of other positions that she had held in other organizations and in other charities in order to continue uh, this position. And uh, for the, the, the breadth that we have on this radio station, the ability that we have to tweet about it, to email it, not possible we're going to send around her commercial necessarily, but to give credit to her, to give credit to the company that found somebody like her who would be able to stick through the peer pressure uh, in order to be out there, I think is incredibly powerful. And and for all the negative uh, challenges that she's getting out there from the BDS movement against the state of Israel, the Jewish state of Israel, I think it's equal, if not even more so, incumbent upon us in order to go ahead and to support people like her who stand up 
for what we believe is right, uh, even though that is challenging, and it is challenging. This came at at both financial and social cost to her, and uh, and for no particular reason did she choose to do this, other than the, for the fact that it was right. I think it behooves us uh, to stand up for it. So we went from the Prime Minister of Israel that we spoke about maybe two weeks ago, uh, being welcomed to the World Economic Forum and being hailed as as a paragon of how to create an economy from, uh, I don't want to say from nothing, but but in challenging circumstances, to Scarlett Johansson, who apparently has everything going for her and uh, and could probably have any endorsement opportunity that she wants to take the SodaStream endorsement, to make a commercial and to stand up uh, to the ire of uh, of the BDS movement. It is, again, incumbent upon us to uh, to speak out on her behalf. And, and we will honor her on this show on Tech Talk here on the Nachum Siegel Network uh, for being uh, somebody who stands up for what's right and, and being supportive of the Israel and uh, Israeli entrepreneurship movement. So again, credit to her, and and we very much appreciate that. As a Bronco fan, I'd have to say it's maybe one of the only positive takeaways that we have from last night's show. So I wanted to make sure that we have an opportunity. I would encourage everybody uh, to email me or to email into the show if you have an opportunity, uh, if you have suggestions of future heroes, future role models that we can point out that, uh, that do something positive for the state of Israel, that do something positive for entrepreneurship or for technology, uh, where they didn't necessarily have to. I think it is important to recognize them because they are not recognized nearly enough. Anyway, so that was one of my takeaways from the Super Bowl yesterday. And, uh, and again, credit to Scarlett Johansson and to SodaStream. I'm sure you can find them at SodaStream.com. Um, you are listening to Tech Talk on the Nachum Siegel Network with your host, Arya Lightstone. You're listening to us on jmdm.org or nachumsegel.com. As always, we are proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera. More than a camera store, please check them out online at adorama.com. Or visit them in person, as I have done, at 42 West 18th Street. It's really an incredible store. The customer service there is something you, you just can't get that online anywhere. So uh, if, you, if you have any questions, head into the store, and they'll be more than happy to, to guide you in all sorts of technology, audio, visual, cameras, certainly, but, but much more than that. I was actually looking, researching a new tablet to get, and they gave me so much information. It was, uh, it was really quite incredible. Okay. Anyways. Onwards and upwards, uh, last week we had a interesting circumstance. I had the opportunity to bring my oldest son, Akiva Lightstone, to uh, the radio show. And uh, he was very excited to be on the radio because, as I think I explained at the end of last week's show, it's very difficult on career day uh, to go into any school, but uh, yeshiva especially, and to explain to your son's friends and your son what you do for a living uh, because to be an entrepreneur doesn't necessarily mean you do one thing for a living. It's it's not a career necessarily, or it is a career of entrepreneurship, but it's not easy to point to and say this or that. So I wound up talking about the things that the the idea that the kids were most excited about was the radio show. So Akiva, when I said I can bring him to work, he says he, he'll only come to work on the day that we're doing the radio show. So I brought him to work on the radio show last Monday, and we walk out of the Nachum Siegel Studios, uh, and we're walking towards the car, and my five-year-old sweetly and uh, gently says, Abba, uh, Dad, didn't you park right here? And I said, yeah, I did. He goes, well, where's your car? And uh, lo and behold, I had parked apparently in a towway zone and had wound up uh, losing my, not losing my car, having the car towed. And, uh, and Akiva and I got the opportunity to spend the rest of the day hunting for the car, which is not a very simple experience in New York City, you would assume, with technology, it would be much uh, easier. So maybe that's something that we can bring up uh, to the tow 
and pound people of New York City, but uh, but they were courteous and they were helpful, even if it took a tremendous amount of time. But I only bring that up for the following reason. I'm taking a Kiva as we're looking for the car. We decided that we were going to continue on with our schedule, daily schedule as best as possible. And we went to a uh, co-working uh, area called WeWork on 40th Street near Bryant Park. And we were networking with some of the various different startups that work in WeWork. And uh, we had the opportunity three weeks ago to have somebody from Launch House, which is a co-working uh, location in Cleveland. Uh, there are co-working places pretty much in every major city in the country. If you haven't been to a co-working place, it's an incredibly unique model. And I would encourage everybody to, uh, if, if you can go to one, go to one. They're very welcoming and warm, which is actually interesting. Uh, and if not, certainly Google it. WeWork is, is a popular one. There are many, many other uh, popular coworkers is another popular one. There, there are many popular coworking places, and and one of the aspects of coworking is that uh, it gives you the opportunity to work on your own in an individual fashion, but also to be able to network with other people who may be in similar circumstances to you. So if you're a so who is coworking for mostly for startups and and small companies. They'll give you an office, but they'll also give you sort of main space. And in that main space, you might just go out there into the into the, the main area. You have obviously Wi-Fi and place to put your laptop down, a stool or a chair or or a chair like a, a um, like you would have in a coffee shop, a chair and a table like you would have in a coffee shop. And as you're going about your work or meeting with people there, and there are conference rooms that you can reserve. Uh, you have an opportunity to bounce things off of other people who might be. Uh, facing different challenges and you are facing the same challenges as you that you wouldn't necessarily have if you were in an isolated situation in your own small business or in your own startup. So you might be now ready to hire your third person and, and you're struggling because you're not finding the right network or you're finding the right network, but you don't have the right HR. You're not positive how to do payroll or, or you know, your web design isn't what you want it to be or you know, you reached a hundred thousand dollars in sales, but you don't know how to make it to two hundred or to five hundred. You have an opportunity to sit with other people who are in perhaps not the same industries, but are in similar life cycles in terms of business, and uh, and that's a pretty interesting circumstance. So anyway, so I brought my Akiva to go to WeWork uh, right near Bryant Park to go see some of the businesses over there, and uh, and obviously the kid, the the people working in WeWork turn to the five year old kid and say, "How's your day?" And Akiva says, well, today was awesome. We were on the radio and we were telling everybody about new businesses and that's why we came to come visit you. But it was even more exciting. I get to be a detective today. We're looking for my dad's car. What happened to your dad's car? Well, as humbling as it would be, my dad, he didn't say humbling. I I was humbled by it. Uh, He pointed out that his dad didn't read the sign correctly and got the car towed. So um, lo and behold, we got an opportunity to go ahead and to look for that. But one of the fellows at WeWork said, oh, that's so sweet. This is how you're spending your day uh, on uh, Take Your Son to Work Day. Would you like to take my Knicks uh, tickets um, for uh, for the next night's game? So we had an opportunity to take the Knicks tickets, and, and we sat courtside, which was pretty fun as they trounced uh, the Celtics. Uh, not having a, a, a team that we cared for in the race, we had it was just a great opportunity to go early. Why do I mention this? I mention this mostly to tell you we're sitting there right near the court, and uh, and my son and I are very excited for the Bronco game, which was to be held last night, but this was on uh, on uh, Tuesday night of uh, of last week, and all the Broncos and many of the Seahawks are at the game, 
And we were trying to figure out how do we get their attention? They're in these boxes. How do we get their attention? They're, they, they're featured on the overhead camera for a little bit, but how do we, we'd like to meet them. We'd like to take a picture with them. We'd like to network with them. We think that would be a fun experience, especially as the game, the seats were phenomenal. The game wasn't so impressive. And then I discovered that the world we live in is incredibly different than, uh, than maybe had this happened five, certainly 10 years ago, certainly, certainly 15 years ago, because as soon as uh, the wide receivers from the Broncos were featured on the board, I took a picture of my son who was wearing a Bronco jersey, with, uh, which had the number of one of the wide receivers. I took a picture of him at the Knicks game, and I tweeted to one of the wide receivers. I said, your number one fan is here at the game. Would love to take a picture with you. Are you around? And uh, I, it's, it's just a weird concept that you can tweet somebody that you don't know, um, and they would potentially respond. And he, uh, he did respond. We weren't able to actually meet up with each other because my tickets didn't get to where he was going. And he certainly wasn't coming to where we were sitting. But, uh, but he said, yeah, if we can connect on the concourse, we'd love to take a picture. And that, that to me was really interesting because I can imagine as a maybe eight or nine year old kid, if I saw the Broncos, I'd be trying to figure out how to sneak onto their concourse and maybe into their box and, and ultimately not do it because that wouldn't be the right thing to do. But, uh, but to see people in, this area, almost everybody is accessible. Really, almost everybody is accessible, and that's a very interesting concept to uh, to think about. And just just to that note, I would again uh, recommend finding Scarlett Johansson on Twitter and maybe just shooting her a thank you. Uh, you know, Scarlett was the one that we were speaking about before who who chose against the peer pressure of BDS to go ahead and to be a sponsor of SodaStream at the Super Bowl during their commercial and uh, and stood up for a a phenomenal dynamic company. Uh, located in Malaya Dumim in Israel. And, uh, and maybe that's just a great way we can just have a, uh, uh, generate some momentum saying thank you. So it'll be able to give more, um, strength to future stars and future, uh, noted personalities to go out there and to do in, in our eyes, uh, the right thing. So again, credit to them. It's an interesting concept. We had a chance to tweet the wide receiver. He was willing to take a picture with us. Uh, maybe he was too distracted che- checking his tweets uh, last night in order to actually perform well on the field, as apparently were all of the Broncos. Anyways, you are listening to Tech Talk on the Nachum Siegel Network. I am your host, Arya Lightstone. It is a very snowy Monday morning here in New York City. You are listening to us on jmtheam.org or on nachumsiegel.com. As always, we are proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera. More than just a camera store, please check them out online at anorama.com. It is too snowy to go and visit them in person today at 42 West 18th Street, but check them out when the weather clears up a little bit. So one of the things that I think is absolutely incredible, and and I feel proud and privileged to be part of the Nachum Siegel Network, whenever you see the Nachum Siegel Network doing something that is not only cutting edge, but cutting edge with a purpose. You can be cutting edge and you can be to the extreme, but you can be cutting edge and he can do something that's just right. And, uh, and the kosher halftime show that was put on last night, and you can see them on, you can see the show on the Nachum Siegel homepage. Um, just outstanding. You know, you, you have, if you follow the Twitter last night, and I think that the halftime show, um, I'm not a big music fan, so I, I can't speak all that intelligently about, it. I think it was Bruno Mars and the Red Hot Chili Peppers. If I said both of those correctly, great. If not, uh, I wouldn't know them if I ran into them on the street. But it didn't strike me from, you know, taking a, a, a glance here and there at the halftime show that it was inappropriate. Um, but I also wasn't listening to the, the lyrics of the songs. And, 
you know, one of the things that I saw on Twitter afterwards by uh, by somebody else who was following by somebody else who was following the show uh, pointed out that uh, that maybe at least one of the songs had lyrics that uh, that he didn't want to have to explain to his kid at halftime. And uh, it's forget the dancing, forget the performance, forget all of the other issues that could potentially arise that I don't think uh, came up last night. But there are words to songs that why would you explain to an eight year old or why would you explain to a 12 year old or or why in some cases, as as many of us try to be in, in the in the range of self-improvement and, and growing, uh, why would we necessarily want to be subjected to those um, lyrics? So for, for the Nachum Siegel Network to have put on a kosher halftime show, I felt with tremendous pride uh, to the ability to have my kids uh, watch and listen to that and uh, and not be nervous, certainly not be nervous, but to be excited about what was going on. And uh, and frankly, again, as a Broncos fan, it was the only thing that I was excited about going on last night. But I uh, want to give credit, a shout out, and, and to refer all of our fans and listeners out there to the Nachum Siegel homepage to be able to see the Kosher Halftime Show, because while it is not halftime anymore, we're in what's called the off-season, uh, the show is up and the show is listenable and watchable, and, and, and you should go. And, and I think, again, the same way we need to give credit to, to the biggest stars out there, like SodaStream and Johansson, I think it's incredibly important to, to support uh, our radio show, our network, uh, who's taken upon themselves time and time again to do the right thing for our community. And, and the next right thing was putting on the Kosher Halftime Show and to support all the sponsors uh, of that show. So get a chance to check that out uh, at your convenience. So two more comments that I wanted to make regarding the Super Bowl last night. These directly related to technology and entrepreneurship. The, the first, um, when, when you get involved with technology, and I, I've been doing tech entrepreneurship now for five years. The one thing I've learned is that whatever you think can go wrong inevitably will go wrong, especially regarding te- technology. You'll get there for a presentation, and it's the Wi-Fi or it's the plug-in or it's you have a Mac and you didn't bring the schmidgy connector that goes to the projector um, the speakers, for whatever reason, aren't compatible. But the one thing that, that, that bothers me more, more than anything else is when the presentation that you're ready to present with, for whatever reason, you practiced it four times the night before, um, and you're bringing a new technology to the table, and that new technology doesn't work. And, and at the end of the day, I don't feel all that terrible about it. I don't know how many people have, have you know, had a sore throat and then walked into the doctor's office and you're feeling much better. Certainly it happens with my kids all the time, uh, but it's happened with me. You know, what, you, you, you know your, the, your phone hasn't worked for, for days and you finally get up the, the courage and the time to bring it into the cell phone store and suddenly it's working like it came straight out of the package. These things happen, so you have to be prepared for these things whenever you're making a presentation with technology. So last night, uh, I think we can all take a little bit of um, I don't know if consolation is the right word or phrase, but they were doing a, a close-up on the news of the hub of the security command center for the Super Bowl. So this is a big deal. There is only one event in America that occurs that is rated a more likely um, target than the Super Bowl. This is the most watched event. This is the 
biggest deal in, in America and, and from around the world that Americans do. I'm not positive that's necessarily a point of pride, uh, but it is. And so we deal with that. The only thing that is, is, is a larger security focus than the Super Bowl is the inauguration. So they did a feature yesterday on the security command post and all the things that go into this. So to me, I would feel better if they did a um, feature on that post the Super Bowl. I don't know if you want to do a feature on it leading up to the Super Bowl. It strikes me that the security people would probably have other things to do. But anyways, they did it uh, day of. And in the process of doing it day of, they had the camera in the room, which were was allowed to see certain things. But one of the things that they certainly shouldn't have seen and was broadcast to the world, uh, and you can see numerous screenshots of it floating around Twitter, was the Wi-Fi password for the entire command center for the Super Bowl. And uh, that's something that you don't want to have out there. It's, uh, you know, again, uh, Wi-Fi is critical and it's necessary. And in today's world where we rely on instantaneous communication, being up to the date is uh, is not not an option. It's absolutely a necessity, especially when it comes to protecting what is the, the number two target in all of America. Um, and an easy way, if you will, to have disrupted that would have been to hack into their Wi-Fi, uh, where the Wi-Fi password was literally given to the world uh, via the screenshot uh, when this um, interview uh, or documentary was being done on the security situation uh, at the Super Bowl for the command center. So it, it's it's something to be aware of. When you plan to do something, it doesn't always go right. It almost rarely always goes right. And and for those people who are out there in entrepreneurship, don't let that get you down. The you, you can get up there for a presentation. Whatever you can do to have duplicates of whatever it is that you have, that's absolutely the best thing to have. I remember the first time I was pitching a uh, technology software for a point-of-sale device, and I had a PowerPoint presentation as my backup. My idea was to do a Prezi, which is a fancier. Go to Prezi.com if you make a lot of PowerPoint presentations. It's a fancier form of PowerPoint, and I was very excited to do my Prezi. The Prezi required for this one required Wi-Fi. My backup to that was PowerPoint, which didn't require any wireless connectivity, uh, and the Prezi wasn't working because the Wi-Fi went down. The PowerPoint didn't work because I didn't have the right connectivity to the projector. The projector, for whatever reason, wasn't working in, in a clear way. And uh, and just as everybody sort of let out a groan to a degree, I reached into my briefcase and I had 125 copies of the PowerPoint presentation that I had somebody pass out. Well, I told a joke about how, you know, whenever you're uh, preaching technology, obviously the technology doesn't wind up working. And we actually wound up with a funder for that project. And the funder came to me and he said, look, your presentation was mediocre plus, um, but somebody who has a backup of a backup is the kind of guy that I want to invest in. And uh, so I would, again, sort of encourage everybody out there who gets involved in presentations, certainly presentations for money, but any type of presentations have a backup. And if it involves technology, have a backup of your backup. At the very least, is you'll impress everybody else that's out there for being so prepared. And you'll also not be so naive to think that uh, that uh, that what you've created with technology is invaluable. Because if the the security team for the Super Bowl can have that momentary lapse, and I'm positive they changed the wi- Wi-Fi password momentarily after they realized that. But again, momentary lapses do happen, and it's something that we should be aware of. It is something that we can learn. 
You are listening to Tech Talk on the Nachum Siegel Network. I am your host, Arye Lightstone. You can listen to us on jmintheam.org or nachumsiegel.com. As always, we are proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera, more than just a camera store. Please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. The last point that I wanted to make regarding the Super Bowl, um, and this is not a sports talk show, and I hope people on the first half an hour have gleaned something new from uh, at least something new that I took from the Super Bowl uh, and from the experiences of technology, to me was an absolute blow away in terms of marketing. Um, I, I should have shut off the game, I don't know, maybe after the safety, which was, I think, 23 seconds into the game last night. Uh, I did not. We watched the entire game. But, uh, but unfortunately, two of my children got sick last night, and I was up the majority of the night, and around 2 in the morning, uh, I'm on Twitter because I'm not sleeping. I'm up with the kids, and I know the night's over, so I may as well get some work done. So I'm checking out what's going on on Twitter, and I see my Twitter feed has exploded with this e-surance. Um, now, if you haven't seen hashtagging on Twitter, I encourage you to go check out Twitter. You can make an account and follow people. You don't need a tweet, but it is a good source of uh, getting news, and, and we'll have a conversation on how best to use Twitter for business or Twitter for personal or Twitter for news at some point in time. I think that uh, one of our shows in the near future, I've gotten many requests to have a social media expert on to see just how we can bring some of these technologies into our lives, and, and we'll do so. So I'm not going to sit here and, and try to explain this because uh, I'm learning it myself. I, I enjoy it, but I, I am learning it myself. If you haven't seen eSurance, eSurance has had some pretty interesting commercials both on the radio and on TV uh, but last night they had what I thought was a momentum changer. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how it works out in terms of what translates into sales or eyeballs on the screen, etc. But the average cost of a Super Bowl commercial during yesterday's Super Bowl, they say, is about in between 4 and $5 million. It's about a million and a half dollars cheaper to run a commercial after the Super Bowl, not way after the Super Bowl, but after the Super Bowl. And what eSurance did was they basically got on the on the, the their commercial and said, we saved a million and a half dollars by telling you about eSurance here after the Super Bowl instead of during the Super Bowl. And to reward our customers and potential customers, we are going to give away a million and a half dollars that we saved to one of you. And all you need to do in between the time that the commercial ended and four in the morning Eastern time was to tweet at eSurance or to include eSurance giveaway or whatever the phraseology was in the hashtag on the Twitter feed. And one um, Twitterer, that's not a right word, was going to win the million and a half dollars that was saved by them doing the commercial after the Super Bowl versus during the Super Bowl. And to me, it's a pretty easy calculation to make. Why are the commercials that much cheaper after the Super Bowl? Because obviously they anticipate significantly fewer eyeballs on the screen post the Super Bowl than pre this, than during the Super Bowl. And so it's a, it's a cheaper amount. Obviously there's still plenty of people there because that's why they're able to charge these ridiculous sums of money for those, um, opportunities to have a commercial at that point in time. But to me, for the three and a half million dollars, let's say, there are just for 100 million watches during the Super Bowl and 70 million dollars post the Super Bowl. How many more 
hits were made post the Super Bowl because of this interactivity with the marketing. And I guess there would be a separate question. Maybe only 10 million impressions were made. Maybe there were only 10 million uh, tweets sent out, which I, I can't imagine is the case. My guess is it was far more than that. But what type of impression does it make on somebody to, to listen to a commercial, to be a spectator in a commercial, to do something actively post the commercial, to tweet about it, to potentially even read about it, to did people Google about it? Did people follow up to see if they won this morning? Did people see if there was actually a winner? Did people check to see if it was a hoax? Are people still talking about it right now? All of those things play in to those marketing dollars for insurance. And so for that same $5 million that could have purchased, I don't know, maybe the, the, the best slot for a commercial during the Super Bowl, that same $5 million, three and a half to do the commercial post the Super Bowl, a million and a half to give away to one lucky tweeter, how do you evaluate those impressions? And there was somebody out there in the marketing world that said, this is the way we're going to get the greatest bang for our buck. And really kudos to the insurance company for pushing that boundary. I think that, that we've learned many times in education that passively receiving something, being a spectator um, is a nice way to potentially get some information, but it's not a way to own whatever the topic is that's being discussed or being learnt. Uh, actively participating in it is, and actively participating in it <clears throat> is uh, a way that insurance uh, got people to be all over the Twitter feed. And I'll tell you, I, I follow a lot of people who tweet from Israel, follow a lot of people who tweet from England, a lot of people who are tweeting from really all over the world. And they were all tweeting, and I'm not entirely convinced that any of those people would have um, watched the commercial. Now, I give a, a proviso to that. I'm not entirely convinced that any of those people are eligible for insurance not being in America. I don't know enough about insurance, uh, whether that's an international insurance company or not. Um, so I don't know what value it is to have the Israelis and the English people tweeting about it. But my guess is that there is value because... The buzz that's out there, there have to be other people, not just me, who are following these influencers in England and Israel and beyond uh, who are actively tweeting about this. And again, there's a level of engagement. Uh, so I'd be curious if there's going to be a study out on that. And I look forward to bringing in a marketing expert uh, in the next couple of weeks onto the show to sort of explain how cutting edge was this really. And will there be a way to evaluate um, was this a better use of money? It, it's a great question. You're always curious about it. Or I don't know if you're always curious about that. I'm always curious about that when it comes time to the Super Bowl. What return on equity, what return on investment do these companies make for these um, significant commercials? And I think that's really interesting. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that, that I think was uh, concludes my thoughts regarding technology uh, and the Super Bowl, at least for now, if people have additional questions, please feel free to email me, uh, a lights on a Gmail, uh, or follow me on Twitter and send me a suggestion there at lightstone a, follow me on Twitter at lightstone a, and we'll have a chance to talk more, uh, about some of these technology components. Again, just as a reminder, we're, we're trying to encourage additional audience participation. Uh, if you have suggestions of, of heroes of technology or entrepreneurship or, 
um, people who stand up for Israel that we should be supportive of. So tweet me, email me, and uh, let's be in touch, as well as uh, additional comments regarding how technology is useful for major, major events as we discuss the Super Bowl. And I'm sure we'll have an opportunity um, to comment regarding the Olympics that are coming up. And first and foremost, most importantly, uh, is really safety. And, uh, and that's obviously critical. <coughs> After that, that's when the next things matter. <clears throat> I guess just to, uh, make sure that, uh, that my day is, uh, is a little bit better. As I've explained throughout the show, and I'm sorry for that, is I am a fairly passionate Denver Bronco fan, so I'm gonna try to make myself feel a little bit better before we go into the things that, uh, that matter tremendously to me, which is education and our future and our kids, etc. Um, I remember the first time I went on a fundraising call. I've spent a fair amount of time the past decade, uh, both in for-profit and not-for-profit ventures. And the common denominator, the value add that I've brought to most of the companies that I've been or organizations that I've been a part of is not only creativity and outside-the-box thinking, but the uh, inability to be shy uh, when asking for money. And there are people who will ask for money in for-profit. There are pe- people who ask for money in not-for-profit. And they're two very different skills. And I won't stand here and tell you I'm an expert in either. But I will tell you that uh, that I'm not embarrassed to do either when there's a real opportunity. And I remember my first, my very, very first fundraising conversation that I had. Uh, <clears throat> I was about three weeks onto the job as the regional director of Long Island NCSY at the time. And I went to go meet with a donor who historically had been supportive, but for the previous three years prior to me getting there was not supportive. And we went to go meet during game five of the Red Sox-Yankees um, division uh, playoffs. I don't know if division, I'm not as much of a baseball fan, so I don't know if I said the right words there, but it heated, heated rivalry. This is when the Red Sox came back uh, to defeat the Yankees uh, after having been down three to zero or something ridiculous like that. And uh, and the whole city is abuzz with this. And we're at Talia's Steakhouse uh, having dinner. And uh, and the fellow and his wife are sitting on the opposite side of the table where they can't see the TV. And I turned to the fellow and I said, uh, would you like to sit on this side? I really appreciate that you're willing to meet with me while everybody else in the city is watching this. But for you not to even like want to watch some of the plays, like look over my shoulder like I'm rudely doing to you, would you like to switch? And he looks me straight in the eye and he says, Rabbi Lightstone, <clears throat> to the best of my knowledge, not a single one of those players woke up this morning and cared less about myself, my family or my business endeavors. Can you kindly explain to me why I should waste one minute of mine caring about any of theirs? And uh, that was a terrible conversation because, frankly, that was all of the small talk that I had planned as a. 24-year-old about to ask for $50,000 from an established businessman. I was hoping that we were going to bond over the Yankee-Red Sox heated rivalry back and forth and all of that. And and quickly, <clears throat> it became obvious to me that this was a no-nonsense businessman. And, and frankly, he's, he's probably true. Uh, none of the Broncos or the Seahawks woke up this morning and cared what the Lightstones uh, did yesterday or will do today. And uh, And to a great degree... Uh, it's important to understand that the games are a game. They're there for entertainment. If you're entertained by it, God bless you. I think it's, uh, it's a nice thing. When it becomes much more than that, I think that's become something that maybe we need to take a step back from and, uh, and again, recognize the phenomenal work, absolutely phenomenal work of the Nachum Siegel Network 
from realizing yeah, there, there's a halftime, but there's a kosher halftime. And uh, <clears throat> there's a game, and it's important to be passionate and face painting jerseys and et cetera, et cetera. And then you've got the next day, and you wake up, and, and there's all the things that actually matter. And, uh, and to me, I don't think there's a better way to focus on that than the kosher halftime show. And again, if you didn't see the Nachum Siegel Network kosher halftime show, have a chance to support the sponsors, have a chance to see the show, uh, please go to the Nachum Siegel homepage and, uh, and check it out because it really, to me, put everything into focus. And <laughs> I guess had the Broncos won, maybe I wouldn't have wanted to be put into as much focus. But today I'm looking for as much focus and perspective as possible. And I appreciate that first donor that I met with who said, they didn't care about me. I don't know how much of my time I should devote to caring about them and the Nachum Siegel Network. Uh, end of that story, that fellow did give me $25,000 towards our programming, and he called me every single day to see how that program was going. And I called him and I said, you know, I thought you only cared about business. He goes, no, 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 you misunderstood me. He says, I care about things that I'm supposed to care about. And he wanted to make sure that every one of those dollars is going to the direction that he said those dollars needed to go. And that, that's a guy who's passionate about, I think, the right things. And uh, <clears throat> I try to walk away uh, from meetings like that and, and to understand and to, and to perhaps gain some new perspective. And so I think that has, that has some real value. Okay. So anyways, we are listening. You are listening to Tech Talk on the Nachum Siegel Network. You're listening to me, Arye Lightstone. I'm extremely excited to spend this snowy Monday morning here with you on jmtheam.org or nachamsegel.com. As always, we are proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera, more than just a camera store. Please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. We've spent the first, wow, three quarters of an hour talking about numerous different uh uh, technology components and marketing ideas uh, involving and revolving around the biggest event hit New York City in a while, the Super Bowl. I don't know if it's coming back. I don't know when it would be coming back, but it's really been an exciting time leading up to it. Lots of buzz, lots of excitement. We spoke about Scarlett Johansson and SodaStream, the kosher halftime show, the marketing buzz created by eSurance. Uh, we also mentioned being able to get in touch with pretty much anybody or having an opportunity to get in touch with almost anybody uh, through Twitter and, and getting my car towed last week after the show. Don't need to worry about that this week. And the, uh, the phenomenal time that we had at the Knicks game also. That brings me fast forward to the education technology show that I was at in Orlando uh, the end of last week. And, and, you know, I think people were a little bit nervous. You know, Arya, you're going way to another conference. You know, Orlando in the winter, is it really a conference that you need to go to? Are you really trying to get away for the weather? Anyways, I landed in Orlando at about 7.30 in the morning to 32-degree weather. I uh, took a screenshot of my phone showing the temperature, and my wife knew that I was there to work and not there just to hang out. So that was obviously important. And was at this Florida Educational Technology Conference, and i got to tell you, I was moved by a couple of the following things. <clears throat> the first thing that struck me was that people at the conference in general, I've been to conferences focusing on a lot of different things. We had the privilege of having uh, Eli Blumenthal on from USA Today and his own blog maybe two weeks ago talking about the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas, which is exciting. You get to see new things. It's cutting edge. It's, it's fun. Here was a mixture. You've been to business conferences where it's business. Here, the Educational Technology Conference, to me, combined some of the things that I think just created such a positive vibe 
There was new, which was the, the tech, but there was also the old, which is the education. I don't mean old in a negative way. I mean old in a foundational and meaningful way. That the goal of education is to communicate and to impart information, knowledge, but also connectivity to the students. And I think the teachers in that room, the administrators in that room, even the educational technology experts in that room, and I was blessed to be one of them, had the opportunity to try to, cro- to, to create that bridge in between student and teacher, parent and administrator, technologists and educators. And I think there was a sense of camaraderie, a sense of excitement, and a palpable buzz in the air, which is different, frankly, than two and three years ago at these conferences where I think that there was a sense by the educators of this is going to be dangerous, this is going to be scary. Again, with everything with technology, things tend to break always at the wrong time. And it's one thing when you're giving a presentation. It's another thing when you're a teacher and you're teaching and you're taking time out of your day to fix a device, to change that bug, to work on that projector and and the teacher sits there, and, and this isn't necessarily why they got into education. And for numerous different reasons, of which weren't obvious to me until seeing the conference several years ago and seeing the conference today, understanding palpable frustration amongst some of the educators. And to that point, there was a new group of people at this conference that I believe only, I believe the job itself only existed maybe for the last two years. And they really came out in major force this year. And I hope to have one of them on in the next couple of weeks. And it's called an educational technology integrator. What's an educational technology integrator? You have people who are creating education with technology. Then you have educators and administrators and parents and students who somehow need to interact with that technology. And most of the time, The people who are creating that technology are not educators. And if they're educators, those aren't the people who are being sent to the schools. So the schools have created this job description and have hired these people who serve exactly as that, as the bridge in between the technology creators and the technology users. And to me, I think that was part of the major positive vibe at this conference. Instead of it adding more work, to some of these teachers who are probably already overworked and overstressed and fighting tremendous challenges, the teachers now have an ally on their side, not necessarily feeling they're, they're being sold to by a company needing to sell to, but really, but really, um, in terms of being um, people who um, have the opportunity to have somebody on their side in order to go ahead and to implement this education. I think that's pretty exciting. So it's a really exciting conference. At the conference, they introduced a couple of new things, um, and I don't know, uh, we don't have time uh, to go through all of them, so I just want to focus on, on one or two that I thought was pretty interesting. Um, there's been a move fairly, uh, I guess, since introducing technology into the classrooms, to go from smart boards or uh, these other interactive whiteboards to one-to-one devices. And it was almost always assumed that these one-to-one devices were going to be iPads or the Android de- uh, version of the iP- uh, of, of these devices, tablets, um, maybe the Kindle or the Nook. It's a possibility. <clears throat> but um, at this conference, I had a chance to really interact with some pretty cool 
tablets that were created or, or computers, devices, uh, Chromebooks that were created really just for education. And I think that allays some of the fear that parents, administrators, teachers have is that one second, I have to rip my kid away from an iPad to have a conversation with them in the car or at home or on vacation or wherever else it'll be. And I'm going to put my son or my daughter in a classroom with an iPad that uh, they know how to get around better than I do. They'll probably know how to get around it better than the teacher or the administrator. So am I really causing positive things to happen here or am I causing challenges to happen here? And those are great questions. But with these new devices, they have some pretty interesting things that are out there. So, for example, the teacher can either put up on the interactive whiteboard if that still exists in the classroom, if every student has these uh, um, individual devices, tablets. Um, the teacher can have on her tablet or his tablet or on their desktop, whatever they have at the front of the screen, a mirror shot of what's on each kid's tablet. So that's a pretty interesting concept. It would be fairly brazen for a student to be doing what they're not supposed to be doing when they know at that moment that the teacher can be seeing exactly what they're doing. So that's sort of idea number one. Idea number two is that certainly it comes in a more locked fashion. So there aren't so many outside things that uh, that kids can hack into. It goes by what's approved by the teachers, the administrators, the parents, etc. Um, and in addition to that, the thing that I enjoyed the most, and I'm sure it's a technology that might even exist on the iPads or the Androids or the Nooks or the Kindles or whatever else it would be, but I saw this specifically geared here. And, and like, uh, like I mentioned before, sometimes presentations can wow you, even if the feature is something that, that is there on other devices. With one simple press of the button, the teacher can turn all of the other devices in the classroom blank, and it says eyes on the teacher. And to me, that's a really cool concept because, you know, oftentimes a teacher, a student can hide their motivations away by pretending to take notes or whatever else it would be. The teacher can control that. And, uh, and that's, that, that's a way, I think, even where technology might have an advantage on paper and pen, where the teacher has that ability to see what's being written that they don't have on paper and pen. So I think it's pretty cool. Well, I'm going to mention in the last couple of minutes a couple other interesting things that happen at the Educational Technology Conference. I did want to take this last time to remind you that you are listening to a exciting tech talk on the Nahum Siegel Network. You're listening to Arye Lightstone. You can listen to us on jmintheam.org or nachumsiegel.com. As always, we are proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera, much more than a camera store. Please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. So when you go to these conferences, there's a natural pull. It's almost a gravitational pull to see the innovations and creations of the what I'll call major players. There was uh, Google, there was McGraw, there was Edmodo, um, Amplify, Copia, some of these major companies that I encourage you to look at all of them. I certainly encourage you to check out Copia. Uh, I'm a fan of them in a major way. I'm a fan of Amplify. I like a lot of these companies that are out there. Late Night Labs, we had a privilege of having their co-founders um, on our show, maybe our second guest that we had. 
uh, Ovi Jacobs and Harris Goodman. They had a beautiful booth there. But the part of the conference that I enjoyed the most was they have just one row. They must have, I don't know, eight or 900 vendors at the conference. But the one row that I enjoyed the most, and maybe because it speaks the most to me personally, was the startup row. And there was a row of probably 50 or 60 brand new education technology companies or products or ideas that were there. And uh, they were there just to pitch their ideas. And their booths were not beautiful. Their booths were, some of them looked like my science fair project from ninth grade, um, you know, set up with those sort of three trifold boards behind them as opposed to, you know, if you look at Google or some of those other um, booths must have cost $100,000, dollars I think some of these startup boards uh, booths might have cost 100 or $150, really putting together every penny as far as they can stretch it. And uh, there were two things that struck me by that row. Number one was the passion that these innovators and entrepreneurs had. A lot of them maybe sadly to say, and maybe this only exists in education technology, didn't have revenue models, but were teachers and said, if this existed, I would be a better teacher. They were frustrated students. If this existed, I would have been a better student. They were challenged parents or administrators. If this product existed, I would have been a better parent to my kid, a better administrator to my school, etc. And uh, whether they sell or they don't sell, they took that challenge and addressed it head on. And I just walked away saying that is what entrepreneurship is. That is ultimately what technology, I think, is and could and should be about. It's not about, I mean, it is about, but it doesn't need to exclusively about be about where am I going to get that next dollar? It's about where's the challenge that I see? How would I overcome it? And if I can overcome it now that I've invested my time and efforts into it, can I monetize it? And when you see those businesses come about, just a blow away. The, the one I want to share with you, and I'll, I'll get a chance to post about them a little bit later if you follow me on Twitter. It was two guys, one finishing his PhD, one who had just finished his PhD, both in computer science, who said, look, they, they were fed up with, with reading about America falling constantly behind in programming and computer science and jobs of the 21st century and, and you name it, whatever statistic were falling behind and it, it bothered them to the core. And they left their doctoral thesis that they were working on and said, let's address this. Why is it that we excel in this type of education but not that type of education and certainly struggle the most in computer science and programming. And they took their time to build based upon principles that they learned from the subjects that we do excel in. And I, I think some of it was history and some of it was literature. And they really built a pictorial class of computer science. Apparently, a lot of people get lost in the uh, arithmetic or, or in the, or the math, uh, mathematics. They get lost in the, in the, um, way that, that computer science is phrased. And they more or less are writing a new language for computer science done through pictures that teaches you how to excel in computer science, even if you're not doing the exact 
uh, algorithms or, or formulas as they would be constituted in the current AP books. And uh, they launched their computer science AP class uh, literally just the end of last semester, not this past semester, but the end of last year. And the scores of the students who took their classes were, were really markedly improved. And it's just funny because they, they looked at a challenge. They said, how do we address the challenge? And now that we're addressing the challenge, how do we market it out there? It works for our students. How do we get it out there for other students? They've built an app and they've built assessments. They've done various different things in order to be successful. And, and it's pretty exciting, uh, beyond pretty exciting. It's very exciting. And uh, their excitement and enthusiasm was uh, was very, uh, very meaningful and, and, and very uh, um, enlightening, I think, to, to potential teachers out there and educators and and parents and administrators. And the thing that, that uh, I just want to close with is that as you walk down that row, you sort of sat there and nobody who was in that row presenting their product thought that they would have been there a year or two ago. Not just because, not just because um, they didn't envision themselves as entrepreneurs, but they were very busy with what they were doing in life as teachers, as parents, as educators, as students, as whatever else it was. They didn't fancy themselves as entrepreneurs. They didn't fancy themselves as technology innovators, but they saw a challenge in their day-to-day life. They said, I'm going to address it. They discovered that the way that they addressed that challenge was effective and that other people would be able to benefit from it, and they created a business out of that. And that, to me, is really exciting. That ties in nicely to uh, about a quarter of the way through the show. We were talking about co-working places that when I can come up with a solution, why can't I share that solution with other people? If I can monetize it, great. If I can't monetize it, why can't I share it so they can succeed and we can come up with another way to monetize something else a little bit further down the road? If those things happen, we have the sense of camaraderie, the sense of, of uh, uh, teamwork uh, in order to create uh, something that, that stands. We're going to wind up with hopefully innovation, hopefully with success, with some entrepreneurship. want to close the show with the way I began the show. If you get a chance, tweet Scarlett Johansson's tweet SodaStream. Check them out online. Support them for supporting us. It's really a special thing. This has been, to me, a very exciting show to spend an hour with you, talking about things that matter to me, hopefully matter to you. Get a chance to learn together, discuss together, interact together. Follow me on Twitter. Tweet me on Twitter. At Lightstone A, let's be in touch. You've been listening to Tech Talk on the Nachum Siegel Network. Here with your host, R.E. Lightstone. You've been listening to us on jmandtheam.org or nachamsegel.com. As always, we thank our sponsor, Adorama Camera, more than just a camera store. Please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. Wishing you a great day and a wonderful week. (laughs) 